I truly do. And you don't need to start seeing life this way, you know, it's not important. What matters is that you actually act in accordance to a future that you want to achieve, a future that you think is better than the here you are, you're in right now. And assessing the variables you need to put in to make it happen and then make it happen towards what you want or what you need. And this is why I took today off as a Saturday away from everything. away from all there is to reassess everything and see it for what it is look at my life where I'm at right now my interactions with people my relationships my projection my ideas of these relationships my everything my expectations of myself and everything around me and where this is all heading towards because it's important, it's my future at stake. I graduate in seven months and I have to know where my life is headed. I don't have to know, I just have to be the type of person that will act in accordance to what I think needs to be done. And it's always just about getting these things done and how well you can get these things done. And maybe at the beginning you can't get them done too well because you're not practiced at doing that. But just keep at it and you'll get better, you know. It's fine to make mistakes. Just like when you were learning how to walk and you fell down and your parents were clapping when you were falling down. You just laughed it off and continued and now you walk. You don't think about that. You don't, you don't think that you went through years trying falling and going up again and falling and going up again. Some people, some people takes, for some people it takes a lot longer to learn how to walk or talk or anything. But you don't, I don't go up to people and I ask them, yo, how long did it take you to learn how to walk? And that's fucking absolutely irrelevant, right? That's why you don't ask that. What matters is that they can walk right now and pretty well. And then you, you forget that you can walk. You just walk. But as you're in it and as you're falling down, it's easy to get lost in that loop of feeling that you'll never be able to get there, to get to that level where you won't have to think about what you're doing and how you're doing it anymore. Just like with walking. But just get past that stage and let yourself make those mistakes. Celebrate them because your mistakes are showing you uh, the difference between the reality that you're disillusioned with in your head and the actual reality of what's going on. You'll just have to adjust again and continue going again. And you'll get there at some point. You'll get up again, fall again, get up again, and then continue walking. And if you fall at some point, again, even if you've learned how to walk, you, you'll just laugh it off, brush it off. It's okay to make mistakes, you know, it's okay. This is, this is what, I, what I don't like when I see someone really wanting to go for something like quitting cigarettes or trying to follow a certain diet. Is that once you fall and you have a misstep in your, in your diet or you smoke that cigarette, you sort of lose yourself in that mistake that you've done and then you don't end up moving past that and because you gave that mistake so much of your attention and focus and instead of putting your energy into what you can do after you've done that mistake you you were lost in it and you were stuck in it and you continue to do it but it's okay to just you know fucking brush it off i fucked up 
it's fine, I'm human, I'm a slave to so many things, and I'm just doing my best each and every moment. And my best isn't always my best. What I mean by that is that you're not always working at an optimum level. There's always so many things coming at you that affect how you perform. And if you blame yourself for all that shit, then I'm sorry. I really am. We're only human. We're prone to mistakes. What matters is that we get up and we continue walking. Even if it's not as fast as we thought it is, or even if it's way slower, and it probably will be way slower than you thought it was, because change takes time consistently over a period of time. We expect it to happen instantly, and that's another filter that we need to stop seeing the world through and see things for the reality of it is that this might take a bit of time you know even if your dream takes 10 years whatever <laughs> okay i might be reducing the problem a little bit but what i'm asking you to do is just look at your life um, for exactly what it is just Take away all distractions, no phone, no internet, no anything. Just be alone in a room, your thoughts, maybe a pen and paper, write that shit down. Record yourself, say it. For me, recording works a lot better than writing down because I can just flow. With writing, you can get stuck in your wording. Or spelling, or handwriting, or... For me, speech is, is the most accessible form. And knowing it's recorded sort of solidifies it for me. You know, I can think about things, but when I actually verbalize them and say them out loud, it puts my thoughts into a much better sequence and a much better and more unified thought structure and pattern that I can rely on a lot more. Yeah. Because like I said, thought is a bit flimsy. It's an echo. It can go and come away and you can forget it. You know, I, I, I read some things I wrote like a year back or even six months ago and I'd be surprised that, uh, holy shit, I wrote this? And imagine your thoughts, man. We always look back to our previous selves and we think, oh man, like we were so stupid back then. Holy shit. We were so stupid. And you'll always think that, you know, you'll always think you were so stupid. But what I'm trying to say is that thought is flimsy, you know, and you forget that you think or you thought towards thing in a, things in a certain way. And sure, you might be stuck in a, you know, in a certain type of cloud of judgment right now where it's hard to get out of, for example. But time, you know, as any stormy sky that's happening, there'll always be a calm that comes where everything stables, stables out, stabilizes. But it's also know how to function and how to maneuver within those stormy times, knowing that a calm time is coming. Because I could be swept with all of these emotions and all of these things going on around me, but I know that I don't want to be stuck in that river or in that storm 
and not reach the calm. Because sure, a calm is coming, but I need to still know how to traverse the storm, right? Otherwise, my ship will sink. I don't want my ship to sink. <laughs> yeah, sure, there's going to be a calm wave afterwards, but I need to get there. But this is this is the point, is that you'll, you'll usually get there. But it's that for you as a person, it's more feasible to know how to approach your emotions in a certain way when that storm hits. And your relationship with thought plays a big role with that. And like I said, thought is flimsy. The storm of thought is going to come and then the storm of thought is going to go. Where you really focused on one problem and thought it to be the biggest and utmost most important problem in your life. And then a month later when it's no longer a problem, you even forget you ever thought about it. Oh, why did you two fight back then? God, I have no idea. But that's all you could think about as the fight was going on. And now you somehow forgot it. Yeah, we're funny creatures, man. <laughs> really, like, uh, fuck it. This episode is going to be longer. But I don't give a fuck. We're really weird creatures. Really. You, like, God, we're so complicated and we think we're... And we're trying to understand this complexity and we're trying to classify it and we're trying to classify everything and put rules here and put rules there and trying to create systems and having people follow the system and having people born into the system act in a certain way to abide by the system because it's important for the survival of the system in the future, sustainability of everything. And then remove even that view of everything. We're just our, in our individual lives. We have no fucking idea what we're thrown into we're given so many criteria we're born <laughs> through and within, you know, your name, your DNA, your where you're born, people around you. You don't have control over any of that. And then you slowly get molded by everything around you. And then you're like, holy shit, what the fuck's going on? And you're in that storm and you're in that river and you have no idea what's happening. And you think you're defined by everything around you, but you're really not. And you're not defined by anything, and it's really okay to accept that, but it's hard to accept it because your existence, your very existence feels threatened when you try to challenge that idea of a person that you are. And then you're living through life, going from left to right without knowing what the fuck's going on, lost in this river and flow and storm that you found yourself in. And it's so hard to get out of it and see it for what it is and what you can do about it. And then you find yourself at a, at a point where you can't really do much about it and you can't change anything about it and then it's too late. But it's really not too late. But you convince yourself that it's too late because that's the easier thing to accept and live by and to blame everything around you for how you turned out to be and how everything actually is instead of taking control over what you ca can take control over to change things towards what you think you, you need to change them, to change them towards. So yes, we're very complicated creatures with everything that we fucking do. There's so much thought there's so much thought put into things that don't even matter because we're overestimating risk when it comes to almost everything and everyone's doing that with everything and what we expect of everything happening around us with everything and how there's so many different people born with so many different ideologies and these ideologies keep everyone and everything in check. Everything is always in balance even to us, to our degree, everything in our body is constantly in balance. And if you go against that balance, 
you'll be really unhealthy and you'll develop medical problems as you grow up. If you if you st- try to maintain balance within your body, not a lot of bad things can happen, but randomness is always there. It's a mixture of randomness, balance, and time. All thrown in together, balanced at every single level. All at once. Even humanity, you'll have people that have really extreme thoughts in this end, and then people that have really extreme thoughts in that end, and then there forms this one middle way in between where thoughts is acceptable. And this is why society isn't drifting towards one form of life. It's always oscillating between different directions, left and right, left and right, left and right. This is why a dystopia or utopia won't ever exist, because we'll always be balanced by the dystopia and utopia to be living human lives. Everything is constantly in flux. Everything is constantly in balance. Everything is going through time. And we're the embodiment of all of that, all at once, together. And we're energy trying to put all of this energy into place and understand it and manipulate it and classify it and grow something out of it. Life, man. And we're in this shit, guys. We're here, you know. This is us. This is us. This is happening. This is what we can do about it. Focusing our energy. As energy. As everything. As energy. Where do I want my energy to go? You know, Steve Jobs didn't... This is what's so funny about him, is that he... Completely, when he focused on something and put his energy into it, nothing in the world could take it away from him or put it back. What I mean by that is that he always focused his energy where he thought would fit, you know, and he only put his energy where he needed to put his energy, in his opinion. And for me, I'm very specific with where I want to put my energy. You know, this is why I can put this type of energy in this podcast. It's something I truly believe in and it's something that is really who I am. And it's something I can give the world and be happy to give the world. If you find that, do it and try to do it well. And if you don't, keep searching, you know. Maybe this is the thing. Everyone's different and everything is in balance and no one ticks the same way. And we put everything in the lens of expectations and then we try to see what we want through all those lenses and what we want might not be any of that. What we want might be as simple as just having a kid and raising that kid and living a very simple life without any complications and that's okay. As long as that's what makes you happy because you're you and no one else is you. And at the same time, you're everything. The same energy you're constantly interacting with and going against and going with and flowing with and against and left and right within the storm, within this river, you're all of it at the same time. You're that energy embodied, directing that energy consciously within everything that you're slaves within everything that you're limited by, within everything that you're enslaved by. 
And that's what makes us us. And that thought's fucking amazing. That thought is fucking amazing. To be limited by all of that and still be able to always rise. This is why we think we're special. We've built all of this. <laughs> so limited by everything the second moment we stepped into this universe and we managed to wrench it out of everyone's hands in life and be able to create this. I think it's impressive that we've gotten to this stage. But like I said, we can be more. And that's what makes us special, is that we think we can be more, we believe it. That some people come into this world and absolutely believe in a vision of how this world is and they force that on the world, and the world has to agree, in one way or another. Is that we managed to build all of this. But why? Why did we... Why did we bother? We wanted to make life more convenient simpler we wanted to live happier lives i think it was kurt cobain who his mom told him the meaning of life is to be happy and then in school they asked him what did he want to be when he grew up and he said i want to be happy <laughs> they told him he didn't understand the assignment and he told them that they didn't understand life I'm not sure to how how true this story is, to what extent that was actually reality, but that doesn't matter because it says a lot more than anything can. Is that we built these Skype skyscrapers and we built these machines to make life easier for us, life more convenient. But then we became enslaved by these own systems we built to keep them going. And it took anything, it took everything away from it being what it needed to be, from it being happy, fulfilling. And then it was just this constant loop. Slaves to the cycle that we're born in, that we created, actually. And then we consume and we consume and we consume more and more and more and more and to what end? To what end are we consuming so much and to what end do we think like to what end? Like this is a question to all of you. What the fuck do you want? 
really. <laughs> Some people confuse me sometimes because they have no idea what they want, especially girls. And for me, I'm a very direct person, you know, if I like someone, I'll tell them I like them, or I'll really act in a way that's quite obvious that I like this person. If it's if they want to reciprocate that, fantastic. But I hate people who play games and try to, you know, go left and right with where this thing is going and then trying to invoke certain emotions in you because they're too insecure about their own emotions and they're not sure about what they want and they have to inflict that on you and then you have to be stuck in their own fucking cycle of bullshit and then so much energy is lost where it really needs doesn't need to go and we do that with almost everything because we're not sure what makes us happy we end up building Burj Khalifa or longest towers in the world and putting all of that energy into all of that because at, at one, you know, on the one hand, images matter. And this is why Dubai is doing as well as it is, because it showed a display of power. Yo, we built this. Come invest here. <laughs> images matter, right? But there's just, like I said, poking holes into these systems that were built upon, faulty systems that we're relying and doing everything upon. We put energy, a lot of energy into things that don't matter. And I'm not trying to to disregard a lot of your interactions with everyone in your life, you know. There's things you have to put energy into, but you have to also know that you have a limited amount of energy you can put in certain places. And then knowing your priorities and having a day like me today, Saturday, where you can sit down and think about or at least write down or for me verbalizing my thought process to myself about what's a priority to me and how I want my life to continue and where I want to put energy here where I want to put energy there and what I expect to be able to do and how realistic are those expectations Life is so beautiful. It will never be the same. Everything will always change and it will always find yourself in new situations and new positions. And it's so interesting that that's the case. It just, even if you think it's boring now, enjoy it because it's not going to stay boring forever. And you'll miss that stability a bit. And we're prone to want to be stable, you know, to have a certain routine and to know what to expect out of every day. And then we can actually get something done because our energy isn't going into calculating what might go wrong. And we have a certain system, scheduled, routine, and then not a lot of thought has to go into what we're doing, but rather we're just doing what we can do and need to do. It takes energy to decide on anything. A lot more than actually doing the thing itself. Really, just deciding on what you need to do takes a lot more energy than doing the thing itself. In your head. Willpower, it's called. To be able to decide. To tell yourself, no, this is what I'm going to do even if I feel like it or not. 
even though so many parts of me are telling me to go in a different direction, to do different things that might be easier. I tell myself otherwise and I do what I know, whatever whatever the fuck I am, you know, to do what I know I need to do. Because I set my priorities to myself, I've verbalized them, I've written them down, I've given them a foothold in reality, rather than the shady, foggy echoes of my mind. And then I can move forward. Even if I do a mistake here and there, I'm certainly doing better than zero, you know. It's better than doing nothing at all. Even if I follow 30% of the plan I put in, I'm going to live a much better life than what I'm living right now. Or at least like I'll go in a better direction. And it might not be a better direction, you know. There's ups and downs. You never know what to expect out of life. But all I know is that I've built myself to be the type of person that can deal with any type of situation when it comes to him. By doing what's necessary. I think I was privileged with... I'm privileged in so many so many ways. I, I can't even begin to explain. Maybe someday, but... One of the reasons I'm really privileged is having have been able to grow up with a brother nine years older than I am. A brilliant, amazing brother. You know, sorry for both my sisters, Hala and Noor, if you're listening to this. I love both of you to the ends of the earth and back. You have no idea. But I grew up looking towards something that was attainable and reachable. A version of myself I can reach, right? I always looked at my brother and I thought he was cool. (laughs) Of course I did. He was my older brother. And we were, were so similar, you know? He's like, we're so similar in so many ways. He's just nine years older than I am. So he just has a lot more experience than I do. And we're vo- we're both very similar, but we're very individual beings. You know, I, I I know what makes me tick, and he knows what makes him tick. But him as as being my older brother, I think he he of course wants the best for me, and he thinks that what the best for me is would be what he thinks the best for him would be, what makes him tick. And that's the lens through in which he's acting with me through. That's the expectation he acts through with me. And I don't blame him, and I think he's aware of that too. He's a very aware person. And, you know, he's always trying to... Just, he wants the best for me in whatever regard, you know, I'm his bro. I want the best for him. But I have a lot to thank for, for me being who I am right now. Was because I was able to see visually in this real world in front of me what I could be. Because if my brother could be that cool, then I can be like my brother. He was the role model I had growing up. For some people it might be their dads. For some people, it might be their uncles. 
some people might not have been lucky at all and just didn't have a role model to to somehow look up to. But that's definitely something I'll introduce my children to at some point in the future. Because I think as a parent, you're very limited towards what you can teach your children. You know, your your relationship with them is too complex for you to be able to tell them in which direction to go. But I think if you're smart enough to understand this relationship and see how you're limited by it and how you're, you can take advantage of that to form them or at least your job is to nourish their growth as a parent. And I want them to grow into something beautiful, something that they want to grow into at the same time. At least give them a direction in which they know that they can physically head. My direction was my brother, you know, nine years older than me. I can see, okay, he has these qualities. I can adapt those qualities. And at some point it was Elon Musk for me too. Well, I looked at how Elon Musk saw the world and I... I related to him in a lot of ways. This is how he saw the world. And he saw the best in what we can be, and he's trying to actively do that day by day. Without accepting automatic truths for what they are, and questioning those truths, and criticizing thought. And pushing forward human race because of that. That's what Steve Jobs did. That's what Elon Musk is doing. And it's nice to see these role models you can learn from, grow from. So what I'm going to do with my kids is definitely introduce them to my friends that I've made along my, my journey, right? I already made deals with two friends of mine. And if you're listening to this, you know yourselves. You are probably listening to this, and that's why we had this deal. <laughs> and that's why we shook on it. I promised them that one day in the future, I will just send over my kid to them for a month. Just like that. You know, let's say my kid's 15. And you know 15 is like that, rebellious age where no parent has any idea what the fuck they're doing with their kids and i'll just throw my children and because your your job your duty as a parent is to at the end of the day make sure your children are able to take care of themselves in different situations that are constantly going to be changing because everything's always changing you want your children to be able to from their own be able to adapt and learn but we take a a lot away from that because knowing the answer is not the same way to how you reached that answer. So you might see your children making some very obvious mistakes to you because you've been on that path and you understand why they're mistakes. But just telling your children that they're mistakes even you, even though you know they are and you have the best of intentions because you only want the best for your children that's not going to teach them what they need to learn. That's not going to help them adapt to the bad things that are, might be happening to them in lives, in their lives. They have to learn from their own mistakes. They have to draw their own conclusions. 
all he can do is try to help them process what's happening to them in a better way for them to draw better conclusions. And instilling in them the need, or not the need rather, but the curiosity and belief that sure something bad might have happened, but there's still a tomorrow and you can, what can you do about it, you know? Instead of always telling my children what to do, I think I'll just enjoy their existence and listen to how they're seeing life through their own lens. And I'll just ask them questions in regards to everything that they're telling me. and Not to reach to a certain point, I'm just instilling these questions in them because we process information through questions in our head that we automatically ask ourselves without being conscious of ourselves asking those questions. So if I instill those questions in my children as kids, for example, something bad happened, I'll ask, what can you do about it? Which is a loaded question because it assumes that they can do something about it. And if that's the question I always approach my children with, and that's the question I always... You know, I, I allow them to see life through a very different filter than just telling them how things should be or how things are. Let them see things for how they need to see them for how they are through their own conclusions. But just process that conclusion better and more effectively. Ask the right questions towards this. And that's what I'll try to do, you know, in theory, fantastic. I'm saying this right now. But who knows when I'm a parent and I see the thing I the thing, yeah. <laughs> that I love the most. The thing that I would literally die for in a heartbeat without even thinking about it. Seeing them get hurt or make mistakes that you know could be avoided, it's not easy. On any heart, it's not easy. But with a hard heart, you have to accept that. Because your duty is to prepare them for life. And if they want to deal with life, they'll have to make a lot of mistakes they'll have to deal with. And what you can't teach them is how to deal with those mistakes. You can't stop them from making them. So I'm going to, at that point, send my, my kids to my friends. People who I think are amazing people. People who I know are going to grow into such magnificent individuals. They're already magnificent individuals. You know, there's just... And why I think that isn't because they're doing anything differently. It's just... They... They're aware of themselves in a way where... It's just that. They're, they're okay with letting go of who they are and they... They're okay with understanding their limitations and their mistakes and knowing that time is coming and they're going to grow. And they have somewhat of a decision over what they grow into. So I'm going to send my children like a month over to... So for example, I'm talking about a friend in Finland. 
and Finnish culture is very different than any other culture in the world you know uh, so far I've really loved every Finnish person I've met and I'm tr- I'm not trying to generalize my view but I just think Finnish people so far are cool you know I haven't seen anything <laughs> so far that disproves that and I think Finland is the only country that does education right and I think that's why Finnish people so far have been cool so sending my my child who has this built-up expectation of what this world is and shattering that expectation entirely by just sending him over to wherever the fuck I'd be in the world at that point wherever the hell my friend would be actually at that point just send him over there maybe Finland for a month and just let them exist in that atmosphere in that environment within that bubble let's say shatter their bubble and throw them in a new bubble because that's how life will always you know you'll always be (laughs) in different zones and you'll just have to adapt quickly to those zones the faster i get my children to accept that their expectation of reality isn't always the case it, it needs to be then the better and then they'd have actually a role model to look up to you know they can see like someone outside of their dad or their immediate family someone that they can look towards and say i can maybe be like that person one day you know and if i just instill that image in my children that's all it takes really that's all it takes but you can't really force it at the same time as a parent you're always trying to force a lot of things on your children but it's just about nourishing and guiding and i'm really saying this now and i i really hope i hear this once i have children and i actually compare how i thought to how the situation is (laughs) because it's definitely difficult to not try to let your children avoid mistakes you know to be true yeah it's definitely a trip all of this Life is one heavy trip, and everyone is tripping differently. Everyone is, uh, you know, we expect to deal with people and think they're, they see things through the way we see them, and we naturally assume that they do most of the time, but they really don't. And everyone is just thinking about life so differently and seeing life so differently and experiencing it so differently and they're either on highs or on lows and as an example you know if you're standing in the middle of a subway station and you look at there's hundreds of people coming and going out of your vision every second all of them are on a different trip in their lives you know and out of these hundred people, you might actually see two or three people on acid or they're high or whatever, but you you wouldn't tell, you know, because they look normal, but in their heads, they're seeing life very differently. And take the drugs aside from the entire equation. Everyone is really seeing life very, very differently from you. And to understand that, like I said, man, life is so complex. That... You know, we're so complex, we're so... Every brain is perceiving and calculating and processing so much information 
and the energy around it so differently. You know, the energy is always there, but how our processing machines, the energy that can give other energy meaning, it's funny because we can always give it different meaning, you know, each and every one of us. And then there's so much processing power that goes into that because everyone is giving a different meaning to that same energy. Man. Life is one heavy trip. We're all on it. <laughs> really. So like I said, yeah, I was lucky to have a role model to look up to, to have a goal of what I think I could be subconsciously, though I didn't consciously think about it. But you can consciously now take that into effect and you're malleable as a person. You don't need to always act and be the way you are. You're malleable. You're the carver, you're the sculpturer and the marble. Remember that. And I like how Shakespeare put it. It's like life is a, in such beautiful terms, is that life's a theater. And we're all players in that theater. We're all actors that can always wear different masks. We can always play different roles. And this is why we glorify actors and actresses in society. Because they have the malleability to be whoever they want to be, whenever they want to be it. And there's something so powerful about that. Not everyone can do that. That's the highest form of adaptability you can reach. For every situation to be exactly what you need to be and act in the exact same way that you need to act to get what you want out of it. The highest form of adaptability. That's what they have. And that's why we throw and lavish them. You know, we throw things at them and lavish them with praise and money and gifts because we're attracted to that. We're attracted to anything that speaks to us in ways that we don't understand. Ways that we can't verbalize. And we're attracted to seeing that type of power in that person. You know, and we glorify them for it. But know that you can change how you act too. Maybe not as well as an actor, maybe not now. Just like when you learned how to walk, you're falling and getting back up. But at some point you'll be walking without ever thinking about all the times that you fell. So if there's a certain thing that you, if you want to act in a certain way, you want to see things in a certain way, that's under your control, but understand your control. I spoke that in the very first episode. Just trying to understand what your control is in this world. How, how much power you have to manipulate the things around you. And how you need to take every step of control into measure before you try to control anything. 
And like I said, before I can control anything outside of myself, I need to control what's within. I need to have a good relationship with my thoughts. I need to have a good relationship with my body. And these two things come hand in hand because your mind is your body as well. Your nervous system is throughout your entire body. When you feel angry, when you feel mad, when you feel whatever, you, you, you feel it in your fists when you're angry. Or when you're anxious, you feel it in your stomach. You don't feel it in your head. You know, your mind is your body. And if you're not treating your body well, your mind doesn't function as well either. And, you know, you need to get that balance right first through exercise and a good diet. Because otherwise you're, you're not at the optimum or the, you know, your thought. To explain this better, I really... For me, if I eat something bad, if I eat McDonald's right now, I'll feel bad for God knows how long. And for someone who's always eating bad food, when they eat something bad, for them, that's the norm. So the bar is set at that level. And they don't know how it feels to be on a higher level by eating healthier foods. They think this is the norm where their mind and body should be operating at. But it really isn't. It's a convenient and satisfying way because it satisfies your dopamine, dopaminic systems and gives you a lot of salts and sugars and fats that get you addicted to these types of foods. But to how your body and mind are functioning, that's not the best way to go. But because you've never experienced the best way to go, you're, you don't think that's something worth pursuing. So, <laughs> an example I like to use for this is the masturbation example. So yeah, fuck it, this is complete honesty, this is complete honesty being blurted out right now. No filters, man, fuck this. Midnight Wisdom. I haven't masturbated in 434 days. Let that sink in. Okay. <laughs> Whenever I tell any of my friends that um, I don't masturbate, they're always so shocked. You know, like, how, how can you not masturbate? You know, don't you want to destroy yourself? Don't you want to... <laughs> kill yourself, there's so much sexual frustration, you know, all of, all of these questions that come in. And they're asking these questions because they've never been on the level that, let's say, I'm at right now by being, let's say, clean or sober from masturbation for this long. Because the second they could touch their dicks, they were masturbating. And <laughs> their minds never got used to the level of being used to not masturbating, right? Their mind doesn't know what that is. It hasn't gotten beyond that stage. Just like how when you're eating unhealthy food every day, you don't know what's beyond that stage. You haven't experienced it yet. And just saying it through words isn't enough to sell anybody to change their entire lifestyle based on it, you know? So I try to explain to my friends, like, yo, you've been masturbating your fucking entire lives, so you've never been in a state of mind where I'm at. I'm, I'm in a higher state of mind right now in regards to this than you. And I don't, I don't see it the same way you do, because I'm past that, in a sense, 
it's weird to explain because instead of masturbating, I end up reading or working out or putting my energy into something useful instead of giving myself a reward that I really don't deserve. And because of that, I feel like I'm just honestly on a higher level in life in regards to everything else because it just propagates, you know, that energy instead of... And you're not sexually frustrated at all at the same time. I'm just really okay. Like, my relationship with, you know, with sex is very healthy, I think. Healthier than everyone else because I don't masturbate and I don't have the need to orgasm just... uh, The need to orgasm, you know? (laughs) The need to hit a peak. The need to reach a certain level. We all exist within that need. That's something that bothers me because this is what society builds up within us. An expectation of a peak that's going to happen at some point. That we're reaching towards something. You graduate in KG2, you graduate in high school, you graduate in university... You're celebrated and it gives you the sense that you're reaching a peak. But life is just going to keep continuing. Even if you reach a peak, it's going to go down. (laughs) You know, you're still in life and you still... Even if I had a great day today, I'll sleep and I'll wake up and I'll have to continue tomorrow. Same thing with anything bad happening. Peaks are just... uh, So society is building that need within us, and it's it's an inherent need that we expect to reach a sort of climax, always, with everything that we do, and that's not necessary. Uh, and I feel like I don't have that need anymore, and I'm so much healthier in so many other aspects of my life because I don't masturbate. Uh, my relationship with women, my attitude towards myself, and my productivity, <laughs> actually. You know, it's like being... better, consistently, and at everything you do in your life, so that you're, it's like a snowball effect afterwards, you know, this 10% consistently across time, it compounds, and compounds, and compounds, and compounds, and you're just a lot better as a person because of it, and right now, I don't think I'll ever... You know, I might masturbate again at some point. Who knows? I'm human. You know, I might have a weak moment. God knows I've had weak moments. Uh, It wasn't an easy journey. 434 days, man. But it's not something I ever want to go back to again. It's not something I ever consider as something I need. But to get to have gotten to this level, I really had to work hard. Because, man, life will throw if not naked women at you, images of naked women at you all the time. Because of the consumeristic culture that we're in, there's always going to be magazines and Facebook posts and everything that tries to stimulate or invoke that inherent need in all of us, sexual gratification. They're invoking that for their own gains to market this or sell that, to convince you of that or whatever, and it's always everywhere, you know, I'm walking in Germany and I see billboards, you'll see a girl in a bikini, you'll see, you'll you'll always be reminded of sex, 
And of course, we all have an unhealthy relationship with sex in the society, you know, and everyone's so fucking frustrated. <laughs> and no one's happy sexually. You know, sure, we're like I said, like I always keep always keep saying we're built on wrong systems. And our systems right now, they deal with sex as if sex is dangerous, you know, reputation wise for the guy and the girl, for the guy he's celebrated and the girl she's shunned for whatever reason. So she has to protect her reputation. And, you know, even though it's the same shit, you know, you're just having sex and whatever, you're both enjoying yourself and having fun. But this is this is the historic norm that we've, we've been pro- programmed to follow, that the girl is shunned and the guy is celebrated. But that's changing now, at least, you know, women are being more empowered and that's fantastic. And again, there was the risk, you know, women carried the biological risk of the burden of birth, of nine months of not being able to do shit besides eat enough to get this motherfucker outside of you. (laughs) That's going to hurt like hell. And then you're stuck with him or her for the next 18 years to nourish him or her to live a good life and make sure that they're good so the women women have to have they have that in the background they have to deal with every time they have to have sex or they want to you know and this is what guys don't get is that there's just a lot of emotional baggage that that's biologically intuned in every woman to be protective of her and and you know women I'm sorry to break this out, but imagine having all of that baggage if you wanted to, you know, that burden, that huge burden of birth, if you wanted to have sex. And we think of things in terms of risk and reward. And for women, having sex has a lot more risk than a guy, you know, and this is why guys underestimate or oversimplify how women feel towards sex. And, you know, I don't blame guys for doing that because they're not seeing life through the lens of a woman. They're seeing it through their lens and for them it's just much simpler. And they haven't experienced that level. So they don't know what they're talking about or what they're experiencing. You know, I don't know what I'm fucking talking about. I haven't been a woman. You know, I'll never have the gift of being able to nourish a child and have that bond with another human being. You know, I can have kids, but I can't have that bond with a kid that a mother and child have you know i'm deprived of that and i'm jealous of each and every woman that they get to form that type of bond and relationship with an entity outside of themselves that's so much more important than themselves So with risk and reward taken into consideration and how much risk the woman is taking compared to the guy, the reward has to be just as good or even better to rationalize the risk that the woman is taking. So that's the natural reason to why women enjoy sex way more than men do. And it might not seem you know, easy for for men to understand, 
because we can just you know come once or twice tops and and you had the height of your orgasm and that was that you know but for a woman she'll orgasm again and again and again and again <laughs> and it's hard for us to imagine because we've never been on that level just like with food, just like with masturbation and not masturbating, just like with everything. It's hard to put yourself in a position of experience when you haven't experienced that thing. And it's hard to take the time to picture yourself in those situations and to actually see things for how someone else would actually see them or experience them. And I think that just comes with a lot of experience. What we see is very limited and to how we think is possible. This is why I, I cherish meditation, for example, because it's the first step between, you know, aside from eating healthy and exercising, meditation gives you that link between your mind and body and understanding what makes you feel what and how and why. You know, I'd be like, I just ate this. For me, I'm really aware of why I'm feeling what I'm feeling, be it something I ate or something that happened because of meditation. It gave me that clarity of mind, but you wouldn't have that because you haven't been meditating as long as I have. And maybe someone who's meditated way longer than I have would be laughing at what I'm saying because they're at a completely different level that I can't even understand. And this is why we'll continue to do bad habits that we think are okay because we haven't experienced what's better. You know, we'll just take what's instantly gratifying and what's good instead of what we know to be sustainably better and good for us on the long term you know meditation isn't fun or easy at the beginning the first week or two that you do it it's like going to the gym the first week or two you know you can't expect to get muscles after going to the gym for a week or two but then afterwards it becomes this mental exercise you do every day that aligns your mind and body and lets you reach another level with everything that you are and everything that you've ever been. And it keeps on going, you know, and once you pick it up and just within your stormy times, within your good times, within your bad times, you'll always, always have that awareness. And I've had times where meditation didn't flow well with me, where I would sit for 20 minutes and I... I wouldn't be getting in touch with myself like I would want to. Those are the stormy times, but because I'm still doing it, it gets me out of those stormy times a lot faster because it puts things in perspective still. It's giving my time, my body and brain time to recollect and continue in this world where so much is being thrown at you all the time. To take 20 minutes a day you know, out of 24 hours, 20 meager minutes, instead of scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or watching a retarded YouTube video, to align your body and mind. And that just propagates wellness in every other area of your life. And I, I can't begin to explain it because you haven't been on that level. Everything that I do I approach with a with a feeling of calm and and focus that meditation gave me.
that alignment between my body, my mind and body. There is no barrier. There is no. And that's the first step in control. Understanding our relationship with our own thoughts. And that's why I recommend for everyone to sit down and learn how to meditate. But then again, like I said, making the decision to meditate takes more energy than actually meditating itself. It takes more energy to make a decision than to actually do the action itself. So this is why it's nice to delegate that thing outside of yourself and go for guided meditation. Something like Headspace. They're not paying me. They haven't ever heard of who I am. And, you know, at some point at the future, <laughs> they realize that this is here. You're welcome. But I, I've used Headspace for the longest time and it's been great. You know, this dude that tells you exactly how to go through this mental process that you need to go through to sit down and meditate, which really isn't complicated at all. And we all have so many expectations that ruin our view of it before we ever come into it. We have this type of idea of, wow, this thing is going to change everything and it's amazing. And But at the same time, you know, you, you expect to get those benefits in a second and you don't get, you're just, you come at it regardless of what your expectations are. I can't begin to imagine what they might be. You're going to sit down and meditate with a lot of ideas about what you should be doing or what this meditation should be giving you or what anything should happen. You know, you're trying to see what the result might be, what something might be. But because of that, you're not putting the energy you need into actually just being there while you're doing it. You're lost within that narrative and story in your head. So to sit down and meditate using guided meditation, for example, without any expectation of what you can get out of it, but just doing it for its own sake of letting your mind breathe, even if it's screaming, even if it's shouting thoughts, the, the point isn't to quiet the mind. You'll never quiet the mind. Thoughts are outside of your control. They'll always be popping here and there. And what do you think your thoughts are yours? Really? There's just synapses in your head firing off. There's electrical impulses going on in your head constantly outside of your conscious control. Even what's in your conscious control isn't that much under your conscious control. But to sit down and let those thoughts fire off and you're just there watching them, disassociating yourself from them and trying not to define yourself by them, just letting them be and seeing them for what they are without any resistance or energy put into them. Because a thought will only take hold over you once you've given it a type of energy. Once you decide to carry this thought with you and think about it often, for example. And this reminds me of a... It reminds me of a... I think it was a Buddhist tale that... Just, yeah, two monks taking a walk. And they saw this beautiful woman standing next to a river. And she wanted to cross that river. So one of the monks went up to her, carried her, got himself wet, carried her to the other side of the river, 
and put her there and then continued walking with the other monk. The other monk was fucking furious. He's like, dude, you touched a woman. You can't touch a woman, you know? And you like he kept on thinking about it for so long and just thinking like, wow, this, this guy did that and he shouldn't have and he shouldn't have and he shouldn't have. And then he brought it up to the other monk and he told him like, dude, you should not have done that. You're not allowed to or you're not allowed to touch women. And the other monk looked at him with the smug look and he told him, I left that woman over there. Are you still carrying her? And, you know, it's like Zen burn at that point. Because that monk, you know, he, he gave so much energy to a thought that it consumed him. You know, even though the sin itself might not have been that harmful. But carrying it on with you like that is... And we do that with all of our thoughts. We carry them. Weights on our backs. Across these rivers, but we keep on carrying them. We don't let them off where we need to let them off. <sighs> An Italian friend of mine, really great guy. He told me a story once. He was in his university hall and the professor told, he asked the students, he held a cup of tea. And he asked the students, you know, how heavy is the cup I'm holding right now? <sighs> A lot of students went up and shouted, you know, it's 600 grams, it's 350 grams, or, ah, there's this much water in it, so it's going to weigh differently. And he looked at them and laughed, and he's like, it doesn't matter what it weighs. What matters is that, what matters is how I, how long I hold this cup. Not what the cup itself weighs. Because you can pick up a cup of tea and put it back down, and it's, for you, weightless. You know, it's fine. But if I pick up a cup of tea, and I hold this cup of tea for hours, it's going to be the heaviest thing in the world, regardless of how much it weighs. For me, in my perspective, it's going to be heavy, really heavy. But then I put it down, then I, when I pick it up again, it's not heavy again, it's light. And that's how it is with thought. You know, we take thoughts with us where they really don't need to go. Instead of picking them up and putting them down where we need to, we carry them with us throughout and they get heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. We carry those thoughts. So that's a question to ask yourself. That's a question that I always ask myself. Is this a thought I want to carry? Why am I carrying this thought? It's literally like that in my head. It's like something I'm carrying and I shouldn't be. And when I pick it up again, that's when I'll need to pick it up. And then it's going to be lighter and I'll be able to deal with it better because it's not that heavy. So meditate. and <laughs> You know, it's, it's a step within the entire balance that you need to accomplish. You know, it's just 
body, spirit, and mind. You need to exercise and eat healthy. You need to meditate. And you need to feed your mind something new every now and then, something useful. Not just everything that's thrown at you by social media. Not not just useless information that's just like me when I was when I stopped masturbating, I wanted to get away from anything that invokes any type of sexual thought in my head. And it was everywhere. Everywhere, really. But I didn't notice it until I wanted to stop noticing it. (laughs) It's everywhere, all the time. And I can't do anything about this, because this is all of society. And everyone is so sexually frustrated and fucked, because... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of that, you know, society's relationship to sex is so fucked. When something so natural and and so important to our entire well-being and existence is treated with such a way, behind the layer of games or a sense of vulnerability and security, a sense of need to climax, a sense to reach a certain stage instead of just being together with all your faults and all your glories just being there I guess yeah I guess I'm expecting maybe (laughs) too much of this podcast But then again, I should expect as much as I can, right? If I'm going to see this through any filter, it might be, might as well be through a filter that that's going to succeed. A filter that's actually going to have an impact. Even if it's, even if reality doesn't match to my expectation 100%, even if it matches 30%, that's so much better than zero. And this is what I always look at when I look at the statistics of who, how many people listen to a certain episode. And right now it's not that many, you know, maybe a hundred plays in total, first episode. I think to myself, wow, that's so much better than zero. <laughs> you know, maybe if it was just ten people, like when I saw just five people have listened to it, like when I first released the first episode. I was like, fuck, five people is so much better than zero. (laughs) People actually sitting down and listening to what I have to say. My perspective on how to view this thing that we're in, all of us, life, somehow in one way or another. Someone actually sat down and listened to me talk about it for an hour or two. This is two hours in now, so if you're in this far, fuck yes. I appreciate it, really. (laughs) You have no idea. Yeah. But at the end of the day, and like I said, it's your life and your hands and your actions that define where your life is headed. And a part of the actions that you're taking is actually listening to what I have to say, for example. And instead of 
getting bombarded by so much information always that's throwing you here and there and here and there. Let me be a voice of clarity for you. A voice that filters out a lot of that noise and lets you know what what's actually important in this world for you and your life. A voice of clarity in this darkness of the night. We find the peace to finally listen. Welcome to the clarity of the night. Welcome to Midnight Wisdom. But I'm not going to end the episode here. I have way too much more to say. <laughs> Plot twist. Really. I have so much to say. Always. And something I had to struggle through as a kid. Having so much to say. And then I felt no one was listening. Really. Like, especially my family at the beginning. The people around me when I was a kid. You know, I, I saw the world differently and I was trying to explain it to the adults. Like, yo, this why are we all acting this way? We shouldn't. You know, and of course you're just going to be shunned when you voice that out. And then you stop questioning. And I hated that. I hated... I genuinely hated... I have... For someone that's always preaching about love and kindness and this general positive energy outlook towards life, everything has to be in balance, even within myself. I have a very, very dark side to myself. A side that I'm very well aware of. A side that I have to mentally keep in check. A side that's full of hate and full of anger and frustration of how everything is. But that's all counterbalanced by acceptance and clarity and understanding. Because I can't blame, you know, as a kid I had a lot of anger in me. Because I'm trying to explain to all of you, this isn't right. But you're all acting and you're in this play, in this theater together, playing towards this way. And you really shouldn't be doing that, that way. It's just your collective belief towards this one thing that's giving this that much weight. But in reality, it's not that important what you're all on about. And I used to, maybe as a kid, sure, my outlook wasn't that sophisticated, or the way to verbalize it wasn't that sophisticated, but I had a lot to say and no one was listening, and I diverted to shouting a lot. I used to scream, because I thought, no one's listening to me. I have to be louder. I have to be louder. No one is listening. And it's not, it's not something I was consciously aware of or verbalized properly as a kid. It was just something I ended up doing, shouting and screaming out what I thought because people weren't listening. And when you shout something out, people definitely won't listen then. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, 
but right now, you know, I can look back on my life and understand why I was that way. Trying to push things in a certain way because of how I thought they should be or how I wanted them to be or and just my view on them. No one was seeing it that way. No one was listening. And that taught me the value of listening big time. You know, as someone who has a lot to say, as someone who can talk nonstop for two and a half hours without even thinking about it, without even planning to, I really value listening to just sit down and let people say what they need to say and what they have to say. And I'll try my best to understand what they're going through because it's their reality that they're going through. It's their trip, you know, that they're tripping through. And I'll just do my best to try to understand your trip because everyone is so confused in their trip, right? So they share it with other people to make sure that their trip is actually valid or anything like that. But you realize there's no need for it to be valid. Just the way you see the world and that's that. We try to adjust how we see the world by measuring it with how other people see the world to see how we should function. And that's objective reality. That's a scientific method. When you strip away all differences in how you view something, and just keep the similarities between how everyone saw this thing under different circumstances. And then that's the objective truth. But then you'll also think that everyone has their own truth, everyone has their own version of reality they're working on, which is their micro-realities, let's name it that. And then there's how everyone in a society is functioning together towards a certain belief. And that's macro-society, macro-mind. So there's your micro mind and then their micro reality and then macro reality and macro mind. And <laughs> seeing the difference and trying to align your micro reality with your macro reality is a bit odd because it's something I always try to do and something I think we're always trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, we're very complicated <laughs> beings. <laughs> and we're just working towards um higher stage of complexity. That's it. You know, I think we previously evolved to be stronger. And that was the prerequisite to being able to survive, being able to adapt or be able to handle the rough circumstances life throws at you. But right now, I think the next step in evolution is either outside of us, where where AI comes into question, or within us, where the value that we, the value that society unconsciously decides on to propagate and push forward into next, into the next generations is going to be intelligence rather than power. 
And I have a very strong argument against this because right now society is trying, not against this, with this, because right now society is trying to provide good living conditions for everyone, for everyone to be able to provide their genetic makeup to the next generation. But I think, I personally think that the times we're in right now are very unstable. Very, very, very unstable times. And within the next 20 years, every single one of our realities, of every single person listening here, is going to shift big time. You know, we forget about economic thing. We, we forget about the environment. Right now it's fucking November here in Hamburg and it's sunny outside and the weather is nice. It's night right now. But it was a beautiful day this morning. And we appreciated it because it was a beautiful day. But it shouldn't have been a beautiful day. It should have been a rainy, disgusting day. <laughs> you know? And these ice caps are still melting. And water is still going to keep on increasing. Water levels are still going to rise. And land close to oceans and all of that is going to be flooded. And a lot of people are going to have to move from their homes. A lot of people are going to have to switch their realities completely out of their control. But this is not happening now, so we don't think about it. But it's going to happen, you know, within the next 20, 30 years. You know, we've fucked this environment up big time. And we set ourselves towards a path of self-destruction. But at the same time, like I said, we're beings born from the essence of balance. So even if we're oscillating in this direction, I know we'll oscillate back into a better direction. And my argument for that is really simple. You know, the second intelligent life took hold and became the dominant species, you saw this exponential raise and rise in human population, where we rose from 2 billion people to 7 billion people in 50 years. And that's insane. That's 5 billion more minds that have the potential to change the world towards a better place, rather than just two. At the same time, as we're on this path of self-destruction because of the industrial era, era that we've been in and how we've abused all the resources that we've went through, we've done all the mistakes that we needed to make and we're still making mistakes and we're still learning from those mistakes. Coincidentally, these 7 billion people have access to an infinite amount of information. Information that has never been accessible to this many people ever before. The potential for every single person to be able to learn anything. Seven billion people able to learn whatever they need to learn to make this world a better place. And I take this example as, I, I read this article about this African dude who just went to went to libraries in his town and read a fuck ton of books and then went to his junkyard 
And in his junk, like he went to his town's junkyard and he built a functioning windmill for his town out of junk just by going to the library and reading books. But take that, you know, one African fucking genius. I, I appreciate him so much. Take that guy and give him a fucking laptop <laughs> where he can Google any question he has. Imagine what he can do. And now give that to 7 billion people and tell them that the world that they're in is going to be destroyed in about 50 years and see what innovations they come come up with, really. So yeah, I think this is just a natural mechanism of survival and life's own way of teaching us. We, we just, <laughs> you know, we came in, we fucked up, we learned from our mistakes and then we're intelligent enough, we we got the internet all of a sudden, everything is connected, all of our, our minds is, are connected, we can be collectively a smarter being, and then work together towards not letting this earth, our only planet, our only home, be destroyed. I think that's a good way to look at it, right? And there's so many people, you know, out there that are working towards making sure that the population or the the earth is actually habitable for, you know, the next period of time. It could be college students working on their own research papers, trying to get different sets of tools or different sciences into into existence. But then again, we, we're always behind that shade of con- consumerism and capitalism where everything that comes into the market or everything that has to come has to be profitable somehow. But I think when it comes to the world itself, I don't think we should think about profits. <laughs> really, you know, profits maybe are just a way to optimize processes and, uh, you know, create something better and keep on improving that thing by competition. But I don't think we should focus on profit when our very earth is at stake (laughs) god our attention is so slow our attention like imagine what we focus on and what's actually happening man So yeah, we're lucky to be so interconnected at this point in time, you know, where it's most necessary, where people can come together and try to terraform a fucking entire planet called Mars into a place where humanity can also move. So I think that's pretty cool. (laughs) But we just shouldn't think about profits that much, you know? Sometimes there's a bit more important things that we need to be worrying about. Yeah. Sometimes there's uh, priorities, man. It's about priorities. And as a species, our priorities aren't really put into place. (laughs) And who's to decide, you know, what the priority of this entire species should be? Really.
so yeah I think I can really go on for another two hours I really feel this in me today because like today was that for me you know trying to reassess everything trying to see where I'm at trying to see where I was where I'm going and it's nice to take yourself out of that loop every now and then and just do that you know you don't have the opportunity always you don't have the time to just do that sometimes but whenever you have the chance uh, god so yeah yeah like i said i can talk a lot more (laughs) so no so that's that and I just think it's nice to take a look on a different level, let's say. To take yourself outside of what you're in and holistically, from a higher position, let's say, view everything that's going on. And see how everything relates with everything else all at the same time in this life. So just as human beings be able to move and function through it a bit better. Uh, yeah. That's my clarity for the night. That's my midnight wisdom. That's my midnight wisdom. Midnight wisdom. You know, I'm still trying to get used to how to say it in a nice way midnight wisdom (laughs) midnight wisdom welcome to midnight wisdom this is your host speaking Khaled Yassin coming to you live from (laughs) life FM cue in the music I'm out